told the first service, my ADHD usually has me bouncing all over this thing, so I'm going to take a good seat, and that way we can focus. I, how bad my ADHD? I was there listening to the, the uh, Christmas carol that we're singing, and I was like, man, didn't DMX redo this song? And I was like, Lord help, I can't even think straight anymore. I'm just messing with you, man. I want to get y'all light loose here. Uh, first service was awesome. Um, you know, truly, as we dive into the Christmas season and, and as we started off as a church, I think it's, it, it's always just a time to understand that we, we are truly looking at the beginning of a continuous message until the very last day here on earth, that what took place right now would set itself off into trajectory for eternity. And that it would never, ever sway, even as time sway. If we think back in my young age of being born in 83 and to 2023, many things have changed, right? The way we, we kind of get information or the way we, you know, certain things that once was healthy or once was good or once was okay for us is no longer okay for us. The message changed. Nope, that's no longer good. Obviously, the one, you know, those that are old enough can think back to like cigarettes, right? Like there was a time where cigarettes were supported by the federal government that, hey, man, smoke a cigarette. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and he was talking about, he said, man, he said, there was a time where doctors told parents to give their kid a cigarette to calm them down, right? And that was okay. All of a sudden, we realized maybe not the best advice we've ever lived on. The message changed. But, in, but here in this season, in Christmas season, it never changed. And even through the conflictual times that we've lived in at different eras, the message at its root still remains the same. So, you know, for us, what does Christmas bring, right? Most of us are out and about doing some sort of level of Christmas shopping, wrapping presents. I told the first service, I'm going to tell you all to give my wife all the credit, wrap every single present at our house this year. Kudos to her. I, and just like I told him, it was a test. I want to see how good she could do. She passed. We'll see what next year looks like. <laughs> Four, six kids. Yes, I'll say that. Four, six kids. He wrapped all the presents. But, you know, all, all to say, though, you know, it, it's an interesting time. And, and for some of us, it's a great time. It brings a lot of energy, a lot of light to us, a lot of up, a lot of happiness, a lot of just, man, like thinking of all the things like, oh, we're going to be around family. Like, I know my kids are all excited to hop in a car and drive somewhere right after Christmas. Um, right. It just brings all this excitement to them. But for others, it doesn't. For others, it, it can be negative. This time of year can be conflictual. This time of year can be sad. This time of year can bring up bad memories. And, and I, you know, I look at it, I'm like, man, you watch some of the Lifetime Christmas movies. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, families ripped apart, you know, tra trauma, death. And I'm like, what is going on? But it does represent what this time of year can mean for others. It can bring up some bad thoughts. It can bring up bad things that happened where families were no longer together, where trauma happened inside of a family. And every time this year comes, that can kind of become the message around that season. Is this more what I would say is sad time, uh, but we forget because of what took place that truly this is the most electrifying time that took place on planet Earth was the birth of a Savior. A birth of Jesus Christ, who in the actuality of it right here was that it was the continuance of God's word that a birth of a Savior took place. So this morning I want to open this up in Scripture. And 
Not going to even make you look hard, not going to make you look far. We're going to the book of John. Even better, we're going to chapter 1. Even better, we're going to verse 1. So we're super on it this morning. If you don't have a Bible or your phone, obviously the screens usually have it too, but I'll, I'll probably read it plenty loud enough for you to hear it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I think about this time, as we sit here, us, and and for you and I, this is going to be a time where we're going to look deeper at this idea of light. We're going to look deeper at the true meaning of light and how it displays the message of Christ through hope, love, and grace. But I think it's also important for us to look at the darkness and understand what does that mean to us, but also what does the Bible say about darkness? Because we're going to hold two views here typically a biblical principle that we've read, but we also have our own sort of attainment to what are darkness in our life and what is the light in our life. But it's really about just relishing in this season, a season where the message has continuously been the same, that as time moves forward, it's never changed. A Savior was born, and through Him and Him alone would come eternal life. In Him, and as the time passed here on earth, He would go on back to be with God the Father, but his spirit would remain here for all believers that have a believing in him to attain the spirit of God, which we would know as the deity of Christ or the three-headed approach of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So realize the Christmas story is so important because we're looking at the second part of the entire point of the gospel of three in one to realize how does God in heaven become God on earth, become God in the spirit. We understood who God was through the Old Testament, but now we're getting a lens of in the flesh as Jesus Christ. But I would say we have to start with the fact of how confusing would the time have been? How much of a search? And and we've all heard plenty of stories, right? It's easy to get fixated on the idea of a savior born of a virgin, and everybody automatically goes, Okay, I'm going to look beyond how that happened. Next part, what's the, what, keep going with the story, right? Because automatically, in all we know, we're like, man, that's impossible. But God is our answer. You can't go find the research paper. You can't go find the next idea, but God. But you think about it, the Savior of the world, born of a virgin in a stable for animals. And you got people out here like John saying, here comes the Savior of the world. Oh, man, what palace do we go to see their arrival? Uh, At the horse barn. That's the Savior of the world. 
Because you think about how we look at it from the lens of this, what would have been going on from chaos. Royalty was not a question in biblical times. It wasn't a question of who was royal or royal ideas that lived. We've read about kings. We've read about riches. That's not new. I was, Christy and I went to England, and we got to tour the idea of the royal wedding. And when you walk in this church, you're like, what am I in? I mean, there is literally a placard for everything that has ever happened here, right? Well, here stood King Henry VIII, here. But right in that church was the royal wedding. It is where the queen was going to be laid to rest. It's where the king is going to be laid to rest. It's royal in nature. There's no question of where it's going to take place. So automatically, the association, there's no questions asked. It's the royal family. This is where things happen. Imagine back then, the royalness, the highness of high is born with animals. Start the line of discovery and questioning right away. That bleeds into our lives to this day when we discover Christ for the first time. When we say how or why or really or my prayer didn't get answered after I met Christ. My life didn't. I'm not rich now. I'm still in the same house. It's this chaotic discovery. And I always say if you want validation of the discovery of Christ and what it looks like in the adolescent age, but it's not much different than our own, go work in children's ministry for a Sunday, right? And, and talk to these young boys and girls who are in an environment where they're learning about Christ, and many of them are discovering Christ in their lives. And last week, I asked them, anybody, you know, got any things with like, any pray for some stuff, and they're like, man, it's just not answering. I don't get it. What's going on? Hands pop up, just like if I sit right now. Any of us in our beginning walk with Christ, heck, in our long walk with Christ, but anybody got any prayer that's simply not being answered? And I guarantee hands are going to fly, right? To be like, but when you ask them, you're like, well, what'd you pray for? Uh, to get an A on my test. Okay. What'd you pray for? To not get in trouble for doing that. Okay. What'd you pray for? And you realize that the discovery of Christ for them is not really about discovering a spiritual being. They almost think they're discovering a genie in a lamp, right? Like, okay, I believe in you. Let me get an A. Well, I didn't get an A. Let me not get in trouble for doing this. Well, I got in trouble. So what is God? How is this? What do, you, what do we mean? Like, the Savior of the earth can't even answer my wishes. And even for them, I have to walk them down a path at such an early age of God's not a genie. God is a spiritual being, the creator of the universe, who has gifted you and I to get an A on a test. So my prayer to God is, God, may I continue to focus myself to study and be able to take my test in confidence that you have given me through you. Now, of course, if I say that to the young adolescent, right, they're looking at me like, okay, bud. I'll pray for confidence next time. But for you and I as an adults, we have to understand that is discovery. And it's the awareness that we have to come that the gift of God of salvation and the gift of God into our lives does not turn God into a genie lamp on Christmas morning. It turns God into the guiding light of our paths. 
for our entire walk of life. But we are going to have to discover this. And there is no doubt in my mind that as this was happening in the beginning, the light of the world is going to come. There was much discovery that would have sent everybody into a frenzy about this. And I'm sure it was filled with plenty of questions. There were probably a lot of thoughts, probably a lot of sidebar conversations, because we also realized nobody's really able to fact check this information, right? If I, te- if I told you something off the wall right now, you got about 0.2 seconds that you can pull out your device and start searching. Is that real? Now, the other issue is where you're fact checking, you're fact checking, but you can get to an answer pretty quick, especially if it's big and alerting. There's no mass alerting system, right? We're sending you on a donkey for 600 miles. Ride out. You get there to the next village. What's the village got? I don't know, 10 people? Maybe it's got 1,000. The Savior of the world is coming. So a stranger just rode into my village on a donkey for 1,000 miles, and the Savior of the world is about to be born 1,000 miles away in a stable with animals from a virgin. Got it. See you next time, bud. It's reality. And I think that we, we, we should not lie to ourselves to not think people are going to walk through discovery of Christ often in this season right now because they're hearing about the birth of a Savior. They're hearing this idea that a light of the world was born. But then at least we could skip through the beginning, born of a virgin, with animals. Okay, at least let me read a little bit more of the story. I mean, the, the guy's got to be royalty. He's the savior of the world. Got to have a heck of a story after that of just royal adventures. And as we read the story and his journey continues, we realize that this was a journey that was not of roses and rainbows, but filled with resistance, violence, hatred, lies, and deceitfulness against the Savior of the world. And even for us, we have to realize what are we being met with as believers in Christ today in 2023? Resistance, violence, hatred, lies, and deceitfulness. The tactic has never changed either off the initial entrance to the Savior of the world. We simply say it's not true. Or we kill people who may believe that to show people they didn't get saved. We just took their head off. That's a hard debatable one as well when you're new to this idea of Christian. Imagine then there's a Savior. Oh, you believe? Plop, head off. Anybody else believe? What happened to Peter? Peter walked with Jesus all the way to the cross. Do you know this man? Who? Hasn't changed. Think about your daily life. Think about especially is that within our people groups and our friend groups, you might be the weirdo that believes in Jesus. People are like, you believe in Jesus? Who? Man, no, I don't believe in that stuff. Why? Why do we get there, right? Why do, we, why do we navigate this path that we're kind of in a discovery phase and we walk with this, what is the light of the world, but we don't want to shine the light, right? Think about how many interactions, and I'll raise my hand, right? Like all of them, pop, 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 got it. I had a moment to shine a light, but I was like, nah. They covered up a little bit, man. Don't want to get bright in here. Let's stay right where we are. Why? Why? When we know it's the light of the world, a savior to the world being born, 
but we realize that the tactics to defeat it remain the same. But the beauty is that even though his life was met with all of these things, it was never enough to kill the light of Christ. Because here I am, how many thousands of years later, speaking to you about the light of Christ. So it doesn't need me to pull up any type of data to say X percent know Christ or X percent don't know Christ. It does not need that. All it needs to know is the message of Christ has never been killed by the darkness. So continue to give the same message. Because it is the constant that works all the way through. So as we sit here, I'll start it with question number one into you before we dive into it. When I say the light, how do you define it? What do you think about it in you? What do you think about Jesus as the light of the world? Because as believers in Christ, we know Jesus told us himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever, again, whoever, I'll say it again, whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever. A message of hope and saving to an entire world. That still, to this day, the darkness has not defeated. But then it kind of begs the question, well, what is darkness? Because here's where I think we get very interesting as people, and I'll ask you, what is darkness? What does the darkness mean to you? Where does your head go when I say darkness? Probably in a time in your life that you'll never forget. But let's navigate it a little bit because biblically we know from the very beginning we associate darkness with evil. Point blank and simple. That biblically from the very beginning we associate darkness with evil. We also associate that same darkness biblically with the trials that take place that are pure evil. And you say, well, give me an example. Read the book of Job. Read the book of Job. Because I'll start the framework, even if you haven't read it, written, Lord help, even if you've not read the book of Job yet. Job is a faithful servant of Christ. Faithful servant of Christ. And God is having a conversation within the spiritual world, because of an attack on Job. And who is he talking to? The devil, who is searching where to attack. And God, there's Job. I know he's faithful. Go ahead. There's some premise that God said he would not allow in Job's life, but it was pretty no-holds-barred. His kids were killed. Everything he had built and worked for as a faithful servant in Christ was taken away. That's dark. That is dark to know your kids were killed as a faithful servant of Christ. I don't know if it gets much darker. I really don't. And I think we read Job in this hierarchy of like, oh, Job, Man, put your, put your two feet in Job's shoes or sandals. My goodness. 
My goodness, if the light of the world didn't shine so bright in Job's life, Job would have taken his life. I don't doubt that. And you can read Job and see Job gets to a point. He doesn't understand it anymore. It's that dark. But I think we have a human lens to it, too, a perspective that we all have about darkness. I think that we, we oftentimes we view it in these areas kind of, of personal struggle, maybe loss, maybe the uncertainty about our own futures. It may be the pain and suffering we see in the world around us because if we look around us, it seems the world's always in conflict. War is always around us. Even in our own country, war is amongst us. And often these wars, unfortunately, have religious ties where the tactics have never changed. But I also think that for us in our lens, we kind of have these sudden experiences, or, I didn't say and, or, the idea of trauma that takes place in our lives, that puts so much stress into us that we really think it's dark. And we're entering the darkness I'm going to comb our perspective a little bit before I dive deeper into that. But remember, we have got to build ourselves foundationally on the darkness that has never overtaken the light. The light of the world still shines bright. So you're not entering darkness. You're entering a time to impact the magnitude of your life. And there are two different ways to approach that. I hear you. I'm the optimistic king. And I always tell anybody the best drug ever created was placebo. But I think we have to frame ourselves biblically. It is not true that the darkness is overtaking us or that it's dark. There is something impacting the magnitude of the light in our life from Christ at certain moments. But I also separate the idea, though, of trauma and sudden experiences. And sudden experience is a very flavorful word. Trauma are the nasty things that make no sense. Infectious disease, sudden loss, murder, rape. Those big, nasty ideas that, honestly, you can't find rhyme or reason for. It doesn't make sense. Right? It's, it's the church... You've been shown trauma here lately with Dave McNair, right? Suffering a heart issue, going to get quadruple bypass surgery, laying there in an unresponsive nature. It's trauma here that impacted all of us. And God bless Dave texted me at 940 because I didn't turn my notification off. Mind you, I was in last service talking about finish strong, brother. That's the light of Christ. Dave isn't in the darkness. Dave is not dark. Something attempted to impact light, but he's still shining. He's still shining that same light. But sudden experiences are a bit different because sometimes sudden experiences we've welcomed into our lives, and that's where we look for genie in a bottle type God. I don't know why my life is so bad. I've only been doing this for a year. And yeah, I've been lying the whole time, but it's not that bad. And now look where I'm at. And we think we're dark. 
or I've been deceitful this way for this long. I get caught. Now I believe I'm entering the dark. Really, you were just never shining a light. And you weren't following a light. You're not entering something. You've been living in it. Now you're just being exposed. So all of a sudden what you thought was concealed under that blanket, the blanket got pulled off. Ta-da! And you're trying to rub the lamp. Dear Lord, please let this go away. God's not answering my prayer. Because you're praying for prescriptive natures from an all-being who's already given you the gifts. I'm the light of the world. Follow me. That doesn't exist when you follow me. Because we turn from and turn to. What does the Bible say about darkness? I'll read a few scripture pieces here. Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the creation account, darkness was present before God brought forth light. The world was dark. Now I'm going to ask you, this one don't take rocket science either. What happens if we don't have a sun? Anybody got an idea? We die. Go ahead and let you know we're going to die. No sunlight, we're going to die. Why? Things need what? What do they need that for? They grow, right? Everything like the idea of we don't have light on anything that we grow, that's done. What are we going to do as beings? We need that to survive as well. So in the beginning of the creation, God already set the platform for the light, that light is truly the savior of the world. And without it, the world is dead. You and me, without it, we are spiritually dead. John 3, 19, 20, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. People loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Spiritual ignorance, sin, the rejection of God's truth and righteousness. I even think that it was pretty flavorful there not to, went right at it, right? Hates light when you live in the darkness. Could have been generous, like hasn't seen the light. Nope, hates light. And I've thought about that often. Why do we say hates the light instead of possibly just hasn't turned to the light or hasn't observed the light? And then I go to the idea, well, if you don't use something that you know is available or if you don't get something that you know is good for you and available, what's the reasoning? You hate it? Don't like it? And I believe that God was very... And Jesus on earth was calling this for what it was straight from the get-go. If you don't like me and you do not have a belief in me to become a believing being in me, the light of the world, you have rejected me. Matthew 8, 12, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Huh. Jesus used darkness as a metaphor for the eternal separation from God and the consequence of rejecting him. Spiritual death was associated with Dashing of teeth. Doesn't sound very good. The idea of rejecting Christ and spiritual death will be the death of your spirit to an eternity in hell. Ugly but true. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Let's get it tattooed on us because we believe so hard until it gets dark. 
The darkest valley represents times of trial, hardship, and uncertainty. However, the psalmist trusts in God's presence and protection, finding comfort. I think it's a great verse to always remember, but it's a harder verse to always live out. Because when it gets dark, does it comfort you? Do you seek its protection? Do you seek the light? Acts 26, 18, God opening their eyes so they may turn from darkness to the light and the power from of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith. But here's the big but, and, I, and it's B-U-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T all the way. The light, the light will become apparent in the darkness. Your light will become apparent in the darkness. How bright your light is will become apparent when it gets dark. How bright you think the light of Christ is in your life will become apparent when it's just not bright light shining around you, when it's the Job stories that come in, when it's the bad reports, when it's the bad moments, when it's the destruction of everything you've ever worked for comes in. How bright is the light? That's not me to answer. I can't. I can only answer me. And the only way I'm going to do that is trial by fire. I'm training. We're training right now. All training for the moments that we know may come. In the Bible, light, the symbol of God's presence, guidance, and love, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Genesis 1, 3 through 4, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? John 1, 4, 5, in him Jesus was life, and life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And 1 John 1 through 5, this is the message we have heard from him and to glare to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. I want you to be very interested because when we walk through the biblical responses of darkness down to the human perspective of darkness and walk through the biblical ideas of darkness and we came to the biblical principles of light, we just defeated every idea that it's actually darkness in your life, that it will not overcome the light. So you are not completely in the dark with a belief in Christ at any moment, no matter the situation. Because why? Because it says there. There is no darkness at all, which is why I believe it is not darkness. It is the impact on the magnitude of the light. Because that's what the Bible straight up tells us. So we know light and darkness aren't man-made. I didn't make them up. I didn't come up with the idea. They do set up for an incredible motivational speech. Right? Oh, man, you down in the dark. We're going to get you back up in the light. Come on, brother. But we can be careful because we can get it fired up on that one. But I don't believe that's what the message is. The message should be about the light. Because with the light, the darkness is gone. And it doesn't exist anymore. It did not say, however, at any point in time, there would not be trials or tribulations that impact your life. Again, I reference Job. 
There may be some hardships there. There may be some moments that don't seem, oh, that's reality. That is life on earth as we've accepted it and made it. Because we look for the finite moments of uncomfortableness that sometimes we establish in our head that that's the end being, that my uncomfortableness here will reside forever. Not the case. Finite moment in time to an infinite eternity in a spiritual world with Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we're looking at right now. But the interesting part about the darkness is I think that we don't not give it credit for what it is because it wants to come. It wants to come for you. It wants to come at you. It wants to come at me. It wants to come at our families. It wants to come at our children. It wants to come at our grandparents. It wants to come at our churches. It wants to come inside of our school systems. It wants to come inside of your government systems. It wants to come and impact what is happening. And the reason that I do say darkness and not that it's taking a light out, because darkness has some friends in some of those places that have not yet turned to the light. And some of us have large groups of friends that possibly live in that darkness that have not turned to the light. Because as we just read, what did it say? We love the dark. Since the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, we love the dark. How many rules Adam and Eve have? How many rules they break? Batting a thousand. I don't blame Adam and Eve. We were all. I believe we all would have came short because we're human. I firmly believe that. The greatest storytellers in the world, God, Jesus, the Spirit, knew what was going to happen. I used it in the first service. Same thing. Man, you tell your kids, hey, don't touch that. SpongeBob, three seconds later. Why are you touching that? It's human nature. We love the darkness. It's wild to think that of such perfect beings born, and how many years now we're removed from that, how much more the darkness has on us, really, at initial conception, right? You, again, you go back to that time frame, one person born in a village, impact, eh, light. Now, one person born by four years old, oh my Lord, did you see that video, right? There's just way too many influences from darker side of things, that impact us, that we have to fight. But we can take heart in knowing that no matter what, the darkness will not overcome the light. And I'm going to kind of bring it down near the landing strip right here when we talk about this. And I'm going to go back to you, which is a self-imposed question. And, and your own personal question is, how bright is your light? How bright is the light of Christ in your life? Because if we get complacent with the idea that my light is good or my light possibly is bright or my light is real bright, we can shift darker moments in to try to impact that because we become complacent with where the source came from. And we become complacent with the fact God has gifted us with this. We must continue to go back to the source to keep the light bright. You nor I alone can make the light brighter. 
That's the personal walk with Christ. That's sanctification in Christ. That is the journey you and I and each of us are on in our lives is to realize, dang, I got myself in that situation and it buried me. It buried me. And I could not find my light again. That's when we start to have the realization moments of we got to get back to the source. We've got to get back to the source. The trust and the confidence and the abilities God has gifted me with from him when I continue to channel my time with him. But the power for all the giftings and the skills and the things that we have are not ours alone. And they cannot become stronger just by me. But then, here's the beauty of the church. Here's the beauty of followers of Christ. If we turned all the lights off right now, and I said, pull out your phone, turn your light on, there's one light. I said, hold middle section, turn on your lights. All of a sudden, bam, got a little bit brighter in here. Turn on yours. Got a lot brighter in here. Turn on yours. Keeps getting brighter in here. This is the brother and sisterhood in Christ when we each own our light from the light of the world. Because not all of us are ready to step into a moment where my light needs to be really bright right now. You're not ready. You're not ready. Some of you, through the gift of God, may never step into something you thought was that bad. God didn't ordain that in your life or call that into your life. I firmly believe that. If you listen to all of our stories in here, you're going to find somebody who's in your head, you're like, Man, they have never faced a bad moment like me. They've never had to deal with what I dealt with. That's okay. You know, I've heard it plenty of times, like the guys that get up, that has got like the crazy testimonies, and they're like, look, it ain't a badge of honor. Don't be going out like, heck yeah, I'm about to go party, so I can have a heck of a testimony, right? It's not a badge of honor. It's the reality of what God has ordained in different people's lives. Never has gifted you the trials and tribulations in your life for you to hold them internal to think, wow, I'm tough. He gifted you for when the brother and sister in Christ, you realize they're about to go through what I went through. Put your light on their path. And that may be the calling of your life. When I watch people bring people to church, to me, as simple as it is, I start to realize God's calling and gifting in their life. Because they are not afraid to shine a light. They are not afraid to step in and turn their light on. They have no idea if they will ever even walk down that same path that their light is shining, but they're not afraid. Just like John was not afraid to go tell everybody the light of the world is coming. And when you flash forward to what everybody probably thought was crazy John, you're like, man. What a faithful servant of Christ John was. And without John, way back when, I would have never seen the light of Christ. Without you, they would have never seen the light of Christ. That's the power of the light of Christ when you're willing and understand it's just not yours. And just not for your moment. Because Matthew 5, 14, 16 through us, I promise we're T-minus two minutes. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This has taken me a while to get to. 
to even, I, I could say that I have moments that I, I lack in it still to just shine a light, shine a light, shine a light. But I wouldn't be here today without people shining a light. I wouldn't be back here, right here, today, without Jamie Gardner, shining a light. Without John Farrar, shining a light. Without my wife, shining a light. Wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be right here. Not saying I would not be with Christ. I would not be right here. But you have to accept it. You have to accept and be faithful to the mission of Christ. To the end of time, which is why we're still telling the story today. When I think about this morning, a group of men were up here praying, and in the middle of the prayer is a cell phone with Dave McNair on the other end, right? Praying for Dave, and, and they call Dave in. All those lights shining to make sure it don't get too dark and start damping up on Dave's light over there. And you think about the lights that have shined from the moment it happened in front of Ms. Deb to Coastal Carolina on it all the way down to Savannah, all the lights that were lit up to glorify God along that path. And you nor I will probably never hear the stories that came from it. And that's okay. That's not our role. We're not the story writer. We're the messenger. And I'll leave you with this because I've realized that I'm at a season of life, and maybe it's because I keep getting a little bit younger, I mean older, that, you know, now those things impact people I know. And, you know, a few weeks ago in D.C., sitting there with a buddy of mine, another buddy of ours calls. He's like, hey, man, he's like, uh, I'm going to, or, you know, he knew we were both up there. He's like, I'm going to come up. Cool. 36 years old. Freak of a human. 6'3", 220, 230. Neuroscientist, one of the smartest human beings, probably the smartest human being I've ever met in my life. Just a great dude would literally give you the shirt off his back, even if it meant he would die. I firmly believe that. Takes care of his grandmother, who lives about 10 minutes from my parents' house every weekend. At 98 years old, he rides down and makes her food for the week. So we're here. A few weeks ago, he was with me in England. We were presenting on the same stage. He said, man, I've got stage three cancer. I said, man, okay, got it, here we go, get back from that, we're in Kiowa, South Carolina, Chrissy's got a shoot there, I'm on a run, calls me, man, it's in my liver, I'm stage four, got it. Andrew wasn't telling anybody, but what I realized, God was, was telling me, shine your light and shine your light. When I pray for Andrew, I tell him every morning, I tell him what I prayed for him because I want him to know I love him. God loves him. I have a light. I'm shining it for you. God has, is the light. Go to the light. Go to the light. I was running yesterday. Waymaker came on. Man, I'm in mid-run sending it to Andrew. He is a waymaker, bro. Believe in him. He is a way maker. And then we're standing out back. You know, again, God just works. We're standing out there right before this service. Andrew texts me. He says, man, I love you, JC. Thank you for reminding me to keep my faith through all this. 
I'm not special. I've just realized that's what God has called us to do. It's the simplest task that none of you would have ever known had I not just shared that story. And the only reason I bet God had put it on my heart to share the story is because some of you know somebody who needs your light right now. So go shine it. Be faithful to the mission of Christ that all these thousands of years later we're still right here and able to say, I'm going to pray for us and close it out. But dear Heavenly Father, what I pray, Lord, is the beautiful body of Christ that we are, that we understand the call to be a city on a hill, planted next to you, Lord, that we may continue to shine bright over all the areas that we ever impact, no matter it be Buford, Bluffton, Savannah, traveling on vacation, my day-to-day interaction at work, God. That is being the city on the hill that will shine a light for other people to see to you, Heavenly Father. God, what I pray for is in your name, all those that are dealing with the idea of trauma and, experience, and, and the idea of just bad experiences in their life, that we are not here to shine a light on your deeds, but we're here to shine a light on Christ. And may you receive the gift of eternal life and salvation through him. Lord, most of the time at this point in time, we say, if you recite this prayer with me, what I'm going to tell you is open your heart and open it wide and ask God, please live with me, Heavenly Father, and let me receive the light of Christ. I pray those that are walking in a path that may be trying to impact the magnitude of their life, it has never, ever been defeated, God. Because you are the light, and I'm praying to you right now. May they take that upon their shoulders and bury it deep inside of them, Heavenly Father, to know you are the light, you are the way of the world, and through you, we can do anything. I pray as we go throughout this week, God, in this season, we don't hide from the fact people will tend to hear your name more often. Let us grab the momentum, shine the light bright, Bring people into the churches wherever they are so they can hear the message of hope the first time and see the brother and sisterhood of lights of Christ that will be on their life to love and nurture them along the way. That whoever believes in you will have eternal life. God, as we walk off here today, may we shine bright. May we turn it up, Heavenly Father, to change a community around us. If it starts at home, let it start at home. God, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand so we can keep worshiping. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.